0: This weekly broadcast is an in-depth study of Leviticus and is presented to you by Cornerstone Bible Center in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You can email us at in-depthbibleteaching at yahoo.com. And now, here's our teacher, Alex Del Percio. Well, last week we finished up with the burnt offering, which was the first offering in Leviticus. And the burnt offering, I would have to say, deals quite a bit with surrender. But there is surrender also in the meal offering. Now, this offering and what we talk about here uh, this week and next week, because I'm, I'm not going to be able to get through this this week, is not for the faint of heart. Uh, the Lord has certain things in His Word... And he hides certain things in his word, and he brings things together from the Old Testament and the New Testament, and they are wonderful to to see how God has all these things in the word orchestrated. You know, I, I sit and read some of these things and just, you know, you can't prove to me, there's no way you can prove to me that this isn't the word of God. When you study it enough and you see what's there, there's no way you can doubt that God has put this book together. It's just amazing. Now, the um, let me ask you this first. How many of you have read the first seven chapters of Leviticus? A few hands. So most of you haven't read it? No, I mean within the last since we started this class. Please read the first seven chapters in two translations because it will help me because I cannot uh, go through and read uh, 16 16 verses just for this offering. So I'm just going to pick the verses, certain verses that will pertain to what I want to show you today. But it'll be good if you do that. Now, um, I handed out some scriptures to a few of you that you can read those for, for me later. And I put a lot of scriptures in my notes that I will just go to and read to save time because it's just too much here to uh, go to every scripture, all of us. Now, this offering here was also a voluntary offering. The individual would offer this of their own voluntary will, and this was... The exception to all the offerings, this was a bloodless sacrifice, although uh, the meal offering was offered, um, I don't know if, if this was every time, but uh, the, the majority of the time it was offered with another offering where there was shedding of blood. Um, now, one of the things that sets this apart from the other offerings is that there was no ceremony accompanying it. Whereas with the other, you know, they had to bring their offering and they had to kill the the, uh, the lamb or whatever, and, you know, so on and so forth. They, they were involved in the ceremony. With this, they would bring their meal offering and present it to the priest, and that was it. And the priest, they would... Uh, you know, take a portion of that, and we'll, we'll read that in a little bit, and put it upon the altar and, and burn it. Um, now, in verse two of chapter two, let's read that to begin with. And he shall bring it. This is the this is the the individual who's uh, bringing the offering. He shall bring it to Aaron's son, the priest, and she, he shall take thereof his handful of flour. Uh, thereof that's uncooked flour and of the oil thereof with all the frankincense thereof and the priest shall burn the memorial of it upon the altar to be an offering made by fire a sweet savor unto the Lord so the handful that the priest would take out of the meal offering and put on the altar represented the entire offering and there's a reason for that that the remainder of that, verse 3 and the remnant of the meat offering shall be Aaron's and his sons. It is a thing most holy of the offerings of the Lord made by fire. So they would take a handful that represented the, the entire offering and burn it on the altar. And then the rest of the, the grain offering, they would take, the priests would take that, and that was theirs. <laughs> Now, let's turn to Leviticus. Hold your place there. Leviticus 6, verse 16. Now, the meal offering was all of chapter 2, and chapter 6, verses 14 through 23, was the law of the offering. Now, let's just read one verse here. Verse 16, And the remainder thereof shall Aaron and his sons eat with unleavened bread, shall it be eaten in the holy place, in the court of the tabernacle of the congregation, shall they eat it. Let me read that from uh, the NIV. Aaron and his sons shall eat the rest of it, meaning the meal offering, "uh, but it is to be eaten without yeast in a holy place. Now, King James says the holy place, and that would lead us to believe that it's talking about the holy place in you know, next to the Holy of Holies, but that's that's not true. It's it's actually a holy place, and it's talking about what we would refer to as the outer court, and it says that um, uh, that they are to eat it in the courtyard of the tent of meeting. So the priests were to eat it without leaven, and they were to eat it in the holy place, in the court of the tabernacle. Now, leaven in the scripture... Refers to sin, or better yet, uh, leaven in the Bible, everywhere that I that I have ever read. It's referring to the principle of evil. So that whenever Jesus tells his disciples, "Beware of the fa- of the leaven of the Pharisees," he's talking about the evil. Uh, that was pushing out from their hearts through the religious system that they had. And and Jesus tells them to be aware of that. But uh, it's dealing mainly with sin or or some principle of evil. And so he also says here in this verse that they were to uh, eat this in a holy place. They probably had an area there in the outer court, maybe back near the, the tabernacle on the side. Where they, they would sit down and partake of the meal offering either by themselves or with with other the other priests. Uh, but he had to do that in the place that God had ordained. See, the, the the right there has to be this place that they go that is directed by God for them. They had to go to that place. Okay, now the offering was to offer thanksgiving and praise. That's, that's one of the things going on here. Now, in Psalm 50, turn there, please. Just on, on that particular thought, this, uh, o- the offering was uh, to be a praise offering to the Lord. In Psalm 50, verse 7, Seeing thou hatest, the Lord's saying this, seeing thou hatest instructions and, carest, uh, and castest my words behind thee, um, when thou sawest a thief, then thou contendest with him and hast been partaker with adulterers. Thou givest thy mouth to evil and thy tongue frameth deceit. Thou sitteth and speaketh against thy brother. Thou slandereth thine own mother's son. Um... Let's move, move on down to verse 22. This is what I want to show you in verse 23. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and, and there be none to deliver. And then he says, whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. Now, this word here, praise, the root word there is meaning to uh, confess or acknowledge one's sin. I thought that was rather interesting. Whoso offereth praise. We're thinking about this vocal praise to God, but in this context, in this verse, the praise here is talking about acknowledging one's sin and confessing that. So whoso offers that glorifies me, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright, and that means behavior. Conversation there means behavior or a course of action. so that this offering here, the meal offering, was to be something that came out from the heart correctly, not just something that they, well, you know, half-heartedly just gave to the Lord. Um, An offering to be what it is to be is offered through various means, according to the instructions here in Leviticus. But, as that relates to us, the offering is to flow out from a pure heart with the right motives, doing it for the right reasons, and having your heart or your walk with God line up with that thing correctly for it to be a sweet savor to him. Now, the meal offering showed this honor or devotion to God. Remember, it was of the person's own free will. It was not a required thing. And it's very interesting. When we start looking in in the offering here, what took place? Remember this, that the person did not have to give this offering. This was a voluntary thing. I'm going to remember that because when we come to some of these things that occurred and we relate that to the life of Christ and then it relates to us, remember that we do not have to go through certain processes. See, it's a voluntary thing. But, But so is what's produced from that, from that voluntary offering. Something is produced of value, but it doesn't have to be that way. Go to Leviticus 6... Again, and I just want to show you this real quick. And uh, we might come back to this another time, I don't know, but I want to just interject this as we go. Leviticus 6, verse 16. Just the first part. And the remainder thereof shall Aaron and his sons eat. So first of all, it is the will of God... For God's ministers to be well provided for with food and the daily, daily necessities and all that, speaking physically and spiritually. So God here provides this. Now look at the next verse. Verse 17. It shall not be baked with leaven. I have given it unto them for their portion of my offering. So this word here, portion, means allotment or share. But he says, I am giving them, this is the priests, the ones that are, that are in the labor, they're the ones that are uh, doing the offering, I have given them this portion of my offering. So God actually shares that thing with them. As a matter of fact, the Lord gets a little handful, and the priests get the rest. Now, there's, there's some... Some spiritual application there, if you get it. And then secondly, uh, we as Christians, being spiritual priests, would have a portion in the spiritual sacrifice that was offered. So as you offer the sacrifice to the Lord, whatever that is, you are given a portion of that to feed upon. See, that becomes your portion. So that if you give the Lord your time and you give him your energy, whatever, whatever that may be for you, that he is giving you back a, per- a portion of that, whether you are aware of it or not. Now, when I sit down and I study the word, I spend a little bit of time. Wouldn't you say, Linda? She knows. I've never taken the responsibility of teaching very lightly. I, I spend time studying words, studying verses. And sometimes I, I spend hours upon hours and come to a class and feel, because the Lord just kind of like starts to open it up a little bit, I feel totally at, I don't feel that I can properly bring out what the Lord starts to show. It's very strange. But the point is this. As I do that, the Lord gives me a portion. See, I receive probably more than anybody will for doing this. When the pastor preaches, he prepares a message or whatever, he is receiving from the Lord his portion. And then that comes out from him, say. So that's how this, this thing worked. God provided for the priest so that if you are going to be offering uh, in, in a place where you are offering, then God will provide for you in ways that you never thought. And I'm not talking about money at all, I'm talking about in here your, your daily bread, your food. Uh, your revelation, your, your wisdom, your understanding, all those different things. They, they, they don't come, I don't believe, without a price. There, there, there's something that, that's involved there in that for the individual. So he says, I've given them their portions." Can somebody read Leviticus 6, uh, 14 through 18 real quick? Stop a second. It's interesting that the Lord takes this meal offering and compares it to um, the sin offering and the trespass offering. I mean, they were totally different in what they did, but um, he is saying that this is most holy. Remember that when we continue on here, that this offering, as far as the Lord is concerned, is most holy. And the individual has a choice. Go ahead, finish. Okay, now go back to chapter 2. <clears throat> now, I want to read verse 1 because verse 1 gives the ingredients uh, for this offering. Now, we are going to look... And I don't even think we're going to get through the first part of the first ingredient in this offering. Because this is just so... (laughs) I don't know. It's just something. (laughs) Verse 1 of chapter 2. And when any will offer a meat offering... Now, in the King James says meat. And if you go to some other translations, you will see meal. You will see grain. Um... And you will see cereal. It's all the same thing. So when, when we say, when we uh, read meat, I'll just say meal. And when any will offer a, a, a meat or meal offering unto the Lord, his offering shall be a fine flour, and he shall uh, pour upon it, uh, pour oil upon it, and put frankincense thereon. There so there's three ingredients here in this offering the first is the flour, the second, would be the oil, and the third would be the frankincense. Now, in verse 1, you see this phrase, fine flour. Verse 2 uses the word flour in the King James, but it's the same word in the Hebrew, so we're talking about the same thing. Verse 1 places the word fine on it, and verse 2 just says um, flour. Now this offering can be presented in three forms and we're going to look at each one of them. The first form would be the uncooked flour, and I'll just give them to you and then we'll we'll move on. The second form would be unleavened cakes, and then the third form would be, be green ears of grain. They could do either one of those, or of the three, and bring them. It just depended on, I guess, what they had available to them at that particular time. Um, Maybe they didn't have uh, anything cooked. Maybe they had just a flour at the time and they wanted to do this. They could just bring the flour. So it could be in any of the three forms. Now, the first one, the uncooked flour, when we read the word flour, we don't really... Get the whole picture. Well, we think flour, we think we're going to go to the grocery store. We're going to go to the shelf and pull off a bag of flour. There's flour, right? But see, this represented... See, we're in a different culture, a different way of doing things. They had to do this themselves. And when you see this word, fine flour, this represented labor. There was labor involved in bringing this flour as an offering. First of all, they had to plant. And in in some cases, they would water. They would have to weed. They would have to harvest the grain in the proper time. Then they would have to grind, or, or no, they would crush the grain. Then they would grind the grain. All of that took place before... They could offer the flour to the Lord. They're not going to the grocery store and grabbing it and bringing it home and th- say, "Here's the priest. No, this involved sweat and their own labor to, to produce that which is going to be accepted by the Lord on the altar as a holy offering. So they're involved in this, very much so, more so than we know. Uh, because we we don 't do that, so they had to do all that. then the second half uh, of that was was just as important was that they had to um, present this offering with pure motives and in love so it would it would be a shame to go through all this labor of planning and harvesting and you know. Crushing the grain and all that. And do it all with the wrong motives and not have the love correctly. Remember, remember, agape is the direction of love from you to God or into others. See, that, that has to be right. That, that, that love. So in the grain offering, even though they went through all this process, see, all the labor involved. If it wasn't offered with the right motives or or with the right love toward God, then it would be a waste of time, a waste of their energy. And I wonder how how many times there's an offering that is a waste of time because it's not offered correctly. See, God doesn't just accept any offering. It's very clear here in Leviticus. You have to do it the way he sets it up, and you have to do it correctly. It's just not this haphazard thing. I'll just go ahead and you know, offer this. No, it has to be done right. So the Lord wants here this uh, fine flour, verse 1, offered. Now, fine flour, as I said, involves labor. Okay, The meal was crushed, ground, and sifted before it became fine flour." Now, the fine flour was offered... To offer that, the first thing that they had to do was crush the grain. Now, the word fine flour um, means crushed. Now, I, I get that from, I, I have the sources, if anybody wants to know. That's from the theological word study books of the Old Testament. They say, they define that word as being crushed. Now, you all know what a mortar and pestle is? Um, a pestle is like, like a little, like a club-shaped. It's probably made of stone. And uh, they had, um, a bowl it was probably made of stone and they would put the wheat in there, uh, the grain, and they would crush it with the pestle. Crush it, crush it, crush it, crush it. A lot of work involved there, you see. Now as that relates to the life of Christ, turn to Isaiah. Isaiah 53, you probably know this verse. I have it here. I told you I was going to just... I have the the verses inserted in my notes to save time. Let me read it. But he was wounded for our transgression, and he was bruised. The word bruised there means crushed. He was crushed. Let me go here to my... He was wounded for our transgressions, or our rebellion. He was uh, bruised, or crushed, for our iniquities, our depravity. So... So here is this crushing of the Lord Jesus Christ as a grain offering, so to speak. Now, we know that he was, all these offerings represented Christ. You know, the burnt offering, the sin offering, the trespass, the peace offering, and the grain offering, him being crushed for you and I. Put in the uh, bowl so to speak, crushed. Because the Father is going to want this offering, and the Lord Jesus Christ is in the process, and He's going to give the Father what He wants. Uh, So how does that relate to you and I? Well, you, as a believer, can be crushed. And that can be done in many different ways. Let's say you have this desire and you've had it for years. You know, you wanted to do a particular thing or or go a particular place or whatever that may be. There's this, whatever that is, there's some desire there in your heart. And there has never been the fulfillment of that. And, And the Lord may say, I don't ever want that thing fulfilled for you. And so what occurs if we have this free voluntary will is that the Lord will see to it that your will is crushed in whatever area it needs to be crushed. He puts it there and it's okay. You want to offer this as a voluntary offering? Okay, we're going to to take care of this thing. We're going to crush it. Boom. We're going to do it. We can be crushed. Now I said this wasn't a message for the faint in heart. This is scripture. We can be crushed by doing the will of God. Have you ever done the will of God in an instance and just it was just, you know, so difficult that it was like you say, this is killing me. <laughs> well, a better way to say it is it's crushing me. And I believe if you've been a Christian for any length of time walking with God, you will have gone through this process, whether you were aware of it or not, to where you were being crushed, your will, or to do God's will was crushing to you. See, that's because God wants to make of you a grain offering that is holy unto Him. Holy unto Him. Hosea ten, twelve says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break down the fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. Now, fallow ground is freshly plowed ground. And whenever you have freshly plowed ground, you ever see them with the, the way they did it years ago? You know, they'd get behind the plow, not with a rototiller, but behind the plow, and they would, you know, cut the land. And what occurred was they would, they would have big clumps of dirt. And I remember when I was a kid, it was my job always to go out and turn the dirt over for the garden. And, and we had a shovel or like a real stiff, it looked like a straight, it was a straight like pitchfork. And I'd go out there and I'd put that thing down and push down and flip it over, and, and I'd do that, and it'd have all these big clods of dirt. See, the clods of dirt need to be broken up. Break up the, the fallow ground, for now it is time to seek the Lord. The clods of dirt, I believe, can represent our will so that God will come and He will plow through our heart. And there are all these clods of dirt there now, you know, pieces that are maybe harder than the rest. And He says, now you break up the fallow ground. You break up the clods. You, let your will be broken down. Let it be crushed so that there can be a planting in your life and out from your life because you've gone through this process. See, it says here in Psalm 51, 17, David says this. See, so the point is that our, our, our lives, our, our will has to be just pulverized. That's not a very um, nice process sometimes, is it? David says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart, O God, Thou wilt not despise. The word contrite there means crushed. A broken and a contrite heart. Crushed heart. Psalm 38.2, David says, For your arrows have pierced me, and your hand has come down upon me. Well, why has his hand come down upon you, David? Well, in verse 8 it says, I am feeble and utterly crushed. Why? Because God doesn't love David? Did God love David? You better believe it, he did. He was a man after God's own heart. Okay, does God love you? Do you believe he loves you? Well, you say that here and now, but when you're in the, in the, the stone, the um, platter, the bowl, and you're being crushed, and you may say, well, you know, I don't think God loves me anymore. Because we are so short-sighted, and we see today, here, and now, and we don't see past that. We don't understand that there's a process involved here, Where God wants a grain offering, and he's the one that's going to provide for you to bring that forth to him. But see, we we say, oh, God doesn't love us. You know, we go through one or two things. God doesn't love us anymore. Let's run to the pastor. Pastor, God doesn't love me anymore. Look what I'm going through. Well, he might just want to be making a grain offering from your life and that's not a bad thing. We think it's bad because we think carnally sometimes, but it's not a bad thing. The offerings were were good. The second thing that they had to do to make this fine flour, the flour had to be ground or they had to grind it. Now, What was involved in grinding was that there were two hard surfaces that they put the grain in between. Now when you go to a uh, a mill, I believe that these two processes are, 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 I'm not sure, but I think that they're combined where they have the big stones, you know, where they're actually they're crushing and grinding at the same time. But if you're doing it by hand like they did back then, this, these were two different processes. So now they have to grind. Now, the word grind means to reduce to powder by friction. Wow. <laughs> to reduce to powder. Well, you want to see that in the scripture? Look at the life of Jesus in the garden. Here he is. Here's the will of the Father here. That's the one hard surface. Okay? Okay. Then you have him having to go to the cross. Here, that's the other hard surface. In between is his will. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So then you have the crushing of the both surfaces. And Jesus has this this offering unto God, this this, uh, grain offering where he's crushed between these two hard surfaces and goes to the cross as a grain offering for you. So the pressure that is exerted upon us will reduce us to dust or powder or fine. Well, we're getting to the fine flour, but we're in the process of the flour making. Now the Strong's number, I don't know if you even... I'll write this down. 2347, I think it is here. Do I have that in here? Yes. That number in the uh, New Testament, and you can write this down, I'm not going to write it, is translated as affliction, tribulation. These are the English words translating this word, this, the, the Greek word. Uh, affliction, tribulation. Trouble, okay? And it means pressure or pressing together. Are you getting the, 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 the picture here? So the trouble and the affliction and the tribulation that comes to every single person. If you're breathing here today, which I believe you all are, you're all going to experience some trouble, affliction, tribulation. Now remember this. I'll just interject this. There can be a trouble and a tribulation and affliction that we cause out of the will of God. That's something different. We're not talking about that. We're talking about being in the will of God, walking with Him, and being under the pressure of affliction or trouble Because there is something else going on than we realize. So, whenever you have this change now in the grain, okay, when you come down to the flower end, it doesn't even closely, not closely, but remotely resemble the grain in the field. There's so much of a change that you couldn't, if you put them both next to each other and a person didn't know that one came from the other, you, you would never believe it. That's how much of a change there is between the two, the two things. And see, that will occur in your life. You will, not be, you will not be the same and you will not even resemble what you were like before at all. Two totally different Uh, Psalm thirty four eighteen. <clears throat> I like this. <clears throat> the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth them or saveth such is of a contrite spirit. The word contrite there uh, is, is powder or dust. The contrite. You want to have a contrite spirit? Well, you're going to have to go through a process to have a contrite heart, to have this powder or this fine fine flour. There's a process involved. Now the third thing done to change the grain to fine flour. Oh, sifted. Wow. Now I read this somewhere, and I went back yesterday and tried to find this, and I, I didn't put my reference down. I usually do that so I can go back if I have to. But I was reading that this process that to make fine flour that, th- that had to be sifted 13 times. Now, let me just stop for a second there. Paul says that he was beaten five times. And he says that he received um, 39 stripes, 40 minus 1, right? So how many times did they they beat Paul with a whip? You can talk to me. 39 times, you would think. But they didn't. They beat him 13 times. Each whip had three straps, and when they would lay a blow upon Paul, one blow was three. So there you have, uh, they did that 13 times, that's 39 blows. I just thought that was interesting, that, that the number there, I never saw that before. The flower is going to be sifted 13 times. Now, when sifting occurs, now, you ladies that bake, and I know you do. I know you're out there. Do you sift flour? Anybody ever sift flour anymore? Yeah, you do. I remember when I was a kid, my mother had sifters, and I, that was one of the things I used to stand around sometime and watch her bake. And she had a, a big, round metal one that had the handle, you know. You put the flour in, had the wheel on the bottom, and you'd just go like that. That was my job. Then there was another, was a little one she had, I think that we have that. And it was a, a, a U shaped handle when you would press the handle and it would, it would sift the flour. Why do you sift the flour? You're getting out the, oh, you want me to answer for you? Yeah. <laughs> You're getting out any of the lumps, any of the hard spots. See, that's the purpose of the sifting. There is a scrutinizing there. See, So, so when I was a kid, I'm, I'm there, I'm watching the flower come out the bottom, and I'm watching the top. W- why am I watching? See, I'm scrutinizing what's going on. See, I'm just watching the flower, see what's going on, see what's coming out the top there, what's staying behind, and, and what have you. So that there would be no hard lumps, nothing in there that shouldn't be you know in there and you can see that particular thing in the life of Jesus where his his whole life was being scrutinized by the religious leaders as the father is moving his hand back and forth to produce what he wants to produce there you see and there's the religious leaders watching 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 you know scrutinizing everything going on with Jesus now, to scrutinize means to examine, inspect, or observe with great care. Ephesians 5.2 And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. See, Jesus was going through the process for you. Now, in the Bible... Scrutinize is found in two basic forms. First of all, the examination of the heart. And I'll read this, Psalms 26.2. How many know that God examines your heart? David says, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. So David is saying, okay, you know, scrutinize my life. See, David was going through difficult times, you know. He was in the process. He had a, a real time of it at times, you know. And so he says, Lord, examine, examine my heart and prove me. So, so there is an examination or a scrutinizing of your heart that God does. You see that in the Scriptures. Another form of scrutinize, scrutinizing uh, would be of our walk as a Christian. See, God watches closely your walk, not so much here, but when you leave here and you go home. Your walk is only here, you know, just a few hours here, but what goes on the rest of the day, the week, etc.? See, that's what He's watching. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11:28. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread. So let the Christian partake of the sifting is another way of saying it. See, and then let him partake. Um, 2 Corinthians 13.5 Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you. So God, he can put your life under the microscope to see what's going on. I know he does it for me. Sometimes I, it's little things. He's, it's almost like he wants to start tweaking things. <laughs> an attitude. You know, he, he doesn't let you get away with some of that stuff. Unless you ignore him, I guess. Now, here's an interesting thing. Um, one definition of the word sifting is uh, to rock to and fro. And I, I found this verse, this is very good. This is in Amos 9.9. 9. For behold, I will command and I will sift the house of Israel among all nations and cause it to move to and fro as grain is sifted in a sieve. Yet shall not the least kernel fall upon the earth and be lost from my sight. So God watches everything, you know. There is no permanent Concealment of character see because God, He will open that thing and, and see it for what it is. Now, sifting does not make the wheat good wheat or doesn't make it chaff. doesn't make the grain you know, good, or it doesn't make it chaff. See, all it does is manifest what is there. That's it. That's, that's the sifting process. So as the grain was crushed, then ground, and then sifted, possibly 13 times, all of that took place before it could become fine flour. See, these things take place before the person can take the offering and give it to the priest to present it on the altar. Are you seeing the the correlation here? For you, certain things will have to take place. There will have to be a crushing, a grinding, a sifting of my heart as a Christian. If I'm ever going to give the proper uh, meat or meal offering, that's, this is just one part of it. One part of it. Now, fine flour here, I believe speaks of the uniformity of the Lord's character. See, Jesus in His character was the same when he uh, took the whip and drove the money changers out of the temple. He was the same there as he was when he said, allow the little children to come unto me. His character was even and flowing properly in every single setting. Regardless of how that came out, you know, the manifestation of uh, the whip Or bringing the little children to him and putting them on his lap or whatever he did. You know, hugging them. Evenness of character. See, there is in the scripture and there is in the Lord Jesus Christ this balance. See, he did not come with truth. There was grace and truth. See, the evenness, the balance there. Not one, not all truth, not all grace, but the balance there. And you see that in, in the character of Christ. There's this evenness. You know, when the, when the, um, the scribes and the Pharisees came at him, you know, in the, in the way that they did the evil way, he could just say what he had to say. There was no agitation in him. There was none of that, that that would be clumps in the flour, so to speak. Everything was just flowing. It was just like it, you know, you sift the flour, flowing. Now it's ready. Here's the character of Christ, just flowing, flowing out. No problem. They're railing against Him with their words. They're coming against Him physically, trying to put Him to death. You see this balance or this evenness in his character, always flowing. Well, we're going to have to stop there. Uh, There's still two more forms just of the flower, uh, the offering from flower. We'll look at those next week, and hopefully we'll get to the oil and the frankincense.